your host, Justin Latta. Took last week off, had a bit of a long weekend, and uh, doing a podcast on Monday morning or Monday afternoon seemed like it was going to be a little bit difficult, so I do apologize, but we're back this week, and we've got a special guest coming to us from uh, Marco, I believe. Are you with the team out in out in uh, Richmond? Are you back in Akron? Yeah, off to in Richmond, uh, Virginia, getting set to play the Flying Squirrels this week. That sounds fun. Marco Lanave, the Akron Rubber X broadcaster, and... Uh, uh, Marco, you're a lot of other places. Tell everybody else uh, where they can find your work real quick. Sure. So I'm with the uh, Akron Rubber Ducks, of course, um, during the baseball season, and I work uh, in the front office during the off season. Also, I've done some fill-in work on uh, WTAM 1100, uh, doing some sports anchoring, uh, filling in for Mike Snyder on their uh, morning show. Um, and then from time to time, I'm, uh, I'm giving you some high school sports uh, as well uh, here and there, football, basketball, that sort of thing. All over the place. Okay. Mike Snyder is a legend. I'm sure that's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He was so welcoming uh, when he, uh, you know, kind of filled me in on the on the details of, of what uh, to do last fall and when I got started there. So, um, yeah, great to work with all of them there. Awesome. All right. So the Rubber Ducks just finished up in Altoona, one of the teams we haven't really focused on yet so far this year uh, on the podcast, at least not with a uh, special guest, someone who sees them every day. So real quick, uh, you know, pretty good set of offense out in Altoona. Pitching was good, too. I mean, he had a good rebound start from Joey Cantillo on Sunday after kind of a tough timeout. What did you see from this most recent road trip or this first series of the, of a, a two-series road trip? Yeah, Justin, I would say the uh, trip to Altoona was quite encouraging. Uh, if you're a Rubber Ducks fan, you know, following the, the Guardians, of course, as well. Um, after struggling really to score runs and hit against the Portland Sea Dogs, the Red Sox affiliate in the last homestand, uh, the Rubber Ducks had a very strong offensive showing. Um, they were hitting 300 as a team <laughs> the first five games of the series. I think they ended up hitting like 280 or something as a team. Um, you know, in the in the six games in Altoona, one four out of six there. The two losses were both one run losses. Um, and just a lot of encouraging uh, signs, uh, the, the team taking better at bats, um, you know, pitchers uh, finding some some effectiveness as well. So uh, overall, a, a positive start to this two week road trip. One of the guys I keep getting asked about on social media is Aaron Bracha. This is a guy who's obviously a former, I don't say top prospect, highly regarded prospect. He had a pretty big signing bonus. He came in with an exciting international class and people were pretty excited about what he could do. And uh, after the pandemic, he just really never rebounded. He had a good 2019 the Hunting Valley, and things have not gone well for him since. But I believe right now he is second or – no, he's third or fourth now. Six home runs in the Eastern League. Um, what are you seeing out of him? I know he was kind of up with Akron a little bit. You know, didn't play all that great last year up there. So what what do you notice the difference in him this year? I feel like – I didn't realize this, but he is no longer a switch hitter either. Yeah, so um... – he has uh, gone to an exclusively uh, left-handed batting um, and has six home runs to lead the Rubber Ducks team uh, among some of the best, like you mentioned, uh, in the league and the, the organization uh, at this point. Um, so that's probably the, the standout statistic, I think, for him. Um, he's seen some time at second base, at third base, um, and designated hitter. So hasn't been in the lineup every day. Um, he's played... Uh, 19 games so far out of the uh, 32, I guess, that the team has had. Um, but I, I think the the power numbers showing up uh, are a big reason to keep him in the lineup because, you know, 
like we saw on Sunday in Altoona, he gives you the lead uh, with a go-ahead homer in the sixth inning, and and that can turn around a game. So, um, yeah, a, a positive start to the season for for Aaron Bracho in his first taste of, of double-A ball. You feel like this is uh, – I don't want to say – it's too early to say if anything's sustainable too much, but you, know, you feel like this is something that, you know, to keep an eye on throughout the year, that this might be something he could potentially be re-emerging. And I don't want – like I said, not re-emerging, but – someone who's trying to gain some ground back as a prospect. Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, uh, he's still 22 years old and and that's young for the double-A level. Um, yeah, we, we know that he was signed, you know, years ago, six years ago with that uh, international class. But um, yeah, an opportunity for him to come up against some pitching that's a little bit more like what he would see, um, you know, in, in that major league level or major league talent, uh, prospectively. Um and also the fact that he's, you know, getting the, the, the barrel on the ball as frequently as he is with those those power numbers uh, is an encouraging sign, I think, uh, for him um, just a month into the season. Joey Cantil, we just mentioned him. He had a pretty good start on Sunday in the finale in Altoona. Started that series uh, at three and a third innings, three runs, four strikeouts, four walks. That was off the heels of that 13 strikeout performance, which was pretty incredible. Uh, rebounded Sunday though, four and two thirds, six strikeouts, two walks, only a run earned that time. Um, what do you think maybe the difference was for him between these last three starts? Obviously it was phenomenal against Portland to start the month of May and then, you know, struggled on, on Tuesday, but rebounded on Sunday. Yeah. So I, I think for Joey, um, what, what stood out to me in his latest start, uh, was how much he was attacking the strike zone and, and pitching in the strike zone. Um, that's something that I talked with him about early on around the start of the season when he came here to Akron to, to start the year, a place where he'd been before and, and, uh, you know, about what, what is he looking for, for, the, for improvement? And, um, you know, he was about two to one strike to ball ratio on, on Sunday against Altoona. Um, just, you know, throwing his pitches in the strike zone and believing that the stuff is going to be good enough, um, you know, in the strike zone, he gave up a home run. Uh, again on on Sunday, both the home runs he's given he gave up in the Altoona series were were solo home runs. So um, you know you're going to have that if you're attacking the strike zone. But you know the walks low and the strikeouts high, um, and and the strikes generating strikes for for Cantillo has has been a strong suit for him, and that allows him to go you know a little bit deeper into the game. Um, his one five inning start was that 13 strikeout game, like you mentioned, and he almost got through five. Uh, got very close on Sunday. I, I kind of wonder how much longer he'll be in Akron. I know the rotation has been beat up a little bit in Akron. He got a couple guys in the IL and obviously, you know, won't have a Spino this year and Gavin Williams is already gone, but I do kind of wonder how much longer Joey Cantillo will be down there. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for, for what he needs to do and what he can control, I think, um, I think he's doing a great job uh, of, of controlling things that, you know, from his perspective, um, trying to be consistent. I think he understood coming into this year that consistently consistency is what gets you to the next level. And, uh, and that's what I think he's showing uh, early on and, and, you know, building up that case uh, to be considered, um, you know, whenever that pitching shuffle happens again for the guardians, as we've, we've seen it happen, uh, you know, with some regularity to start this season. Another left-hander that I, I'm a really big fan of. I was a fan of Doug McCase of the year he got drafted and I was excited to see the guardians, take a chance on him. And then there's some days, you know, the, the control is just not there and it's hard to watch. And I'm sure that makes games long for, for you guys and for everybody else. But uh, you know, the last time out, it was 
Carbon copy the last two starts, though. I mean, literally four innings, two hits, a run, three walks, five strikeouts against Altoona. It was three against uh, Portland at home last time out. But every time I watch that guy pitch, I feel like I see an inning or two where he throws strikes. The curveball looks great. He has a slider. And then he comes back out the next inning and walks two guys. And you're like, well, what, what happened to the guy last inning? But, you know, I, I think it's it's great when you see flashes from him. Because, like I said, I'm a big fan of Doug Nikhazy and I think he's a smart pitcher and has some good stuff, but you just want to see him put it more together, you know, more, a little more inconsistent than Joey Cantillo, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, so Doug's kind of younger as far as it is with, you know, a pro baseball experience. Uh, I mean, he's, he's 23, I guess he's technically a little bit, uh, maybe a couple months older than uh, Cantillo is, uh, but, but less baseball, uh, pro baseball experience last year is first, first full year. And he just got that taste of double a um, late last year, um, you know, but visiting with him, he understands that uh, the focus for him is to um, continue to, uh, you know, attack the strike zone. Um, with his stuff. And, and he understands that, um, you know, his, his breaking balls, his curveball and slider are, are really, you know, ex- exceptional pitches, um, you know, plus pitches. So um, it's his job to, to go out there and, and throw strikes. And when he's able to do that, uh, keep the pitch count down. I think, you know, the deeper he goes into a game, the, the, the better sign it is for him because he's throwing strikes and he's getting his team off the field, which is, which is his goal uh, is uh, every time he goes out. And like you said, the last couple outings for him have been good. Um, He's been more um, not only in the starter role, but in kind of a piggyback role uh, at at times uh, that you'll see. And, and um, that'll happen again this week. Um, He'll be in a a piggyback role uh, later in the middle of the week. Um, But, you know, having that opportunity, to go out there as a starter and and sometimes as a as a as a piggyback guy, I think um, the the deeper he can go, the longer with those those innings, the better he off. You know, uh, he's going to be the more efficient he is um, is going to be that indicator. Yeah, I still have a lot of hope that he's going to remain a starter. The control, you know, maybe makes you wonder at times, but the stuff is so good when you watch him. You're like, that's a guy you would like to get five innings out of instead of just sticking into a bullpen role because the talent clearly is there. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, his, his mindset is still that of a, of a starter for sure, even though he's going back and forth. Um, I think that more than anything, because Akron has as many um, potential starters or pitchers they're developing as starters um, has, has put him uh, in a situation where, you know, every once in a while he is uh, going to come out of the bullpen, but he's going to be expected to go uh, deep in that outing, you know, three, four innings perhaps. And the guy he's usually paired with is, is Jack Leftwich. That's a guy I was a fan of last year. Ended the the 2022 season on the IL with an elbow issue, but he's been pretty strong so far, I would say. Last time out at Altoona behind uh, Nikhazy, four innings, a run allowed, a home run, two strikeouts, and a walk. What are your first impressions of Jack Leftwich this year? Another guy I feel like kind of sits on that teetering edge of starter, reliever. He started last year. He has the good stuff, and the control is probably better than Nikhazy, but um, you just kind of wonder like what that future role looks like for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you, like you said, it, it still remains to be seen a, a little bit, but uh, similar to Doug, he's in a situation where um, they're kind of continuing the the starter development track. Um, and sometimes he is, you know, that guy coming on a piggyback out of the bullpen and that's what happened. Both he and the Casey pitched four innings in their, their last outing. And um, Jack is another one that, uh, you know, <laughs> we know he attacks the strike zone and, and that, you know, made him get through those four innings in relief his last time out uh, very efficiently. Um, there was that one kind of blip, uh, where he wasn't able to get out of the first inning uh, against Portland, uh, in his last start. But, um, you know, I, I think for him, uh, impressive mentality, uh, on the mound and, 
um, and, you know, competitive when he goes out there. And those are two talented college arms. I mean, those guys both pitched at really good programs. I mean, Florida didn't have a success old Miss did, but interesting to have two guys with the pedigree they had in college uh, backed up next to each other. Yeah, both guys that you know pitched in the SEC. That um, you know the 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 competition and the pressure uh, pitching in those stages is um, is really about as good as it gets at, at the college level for getting prepared for for pitching professionally. And I think you see it from both those guys and how they um, uh, approach their work and their development. Another guy who we're still looking to to get back to where he was a couple of years ago, Brian Lavastida played a huge role in the Ducks championship in 2021 when he got there and uh, hitting wise, things just have not been the same from, unfortunately he is no longer on the guardians 40 man roster pass through waivers. Um, what, what do you, I mean, it looks like the bat, you know, has, he's, he's shown those flashes again over the last couple of series where he had a two hit game. He had a home run. He's pulling the ball more. Um, where, where do you think he needs to go to, to kind of refine what he has lost since 2021? Yeah, I, I think honestly, like you mentioned, the last you know several games, the last series uh, for him has been a positive. Um, you know, he went through that experience, like you mentioned, being designated for assignment, uh, and then that meant that he missed a, a week of, of game action. Uh, but now he's he's gotten back to um, you know catching the most frequently of any rubber ducks catcher at, at this point, um, and getting back to that offensive approach that was so big, like you mentioned. Uh, for the Rubber Ducks to win that 2021 uh, league championship. And we're seeing it more um, with, you know, how he played in the series in Altoona, um, seven hits, seven runs batted in uh, in the span of, of one week and um, using the whole field, which I felt was really a strength of, of him offensively two years ago when we had our first impression of, uh, of him uh, in Akron. Uh, and he's, you know, using the whole field to right to center to to left um and is a big part of of why the team was successful i think offensively uh, in altoona this past week one of the guys he's catching who i think is is kind of underrated prospect no one's really talking about him and you see you've seen him 12 times this year that's uh Cade smith undrafted free agent in 2020 leads the eastern league and saves with 10 now 19 strikeouts and 16 to third innings uh you got to see a little bit of him last year he got to double a i think he was there most of the year if not all year but um, what have you seen out of him this year that has just made him so dominant as, as a closer for the Ducks this year? Yeah, so uh, so Cade was with the uh, High Lake County Club uh, to start last season, That's had right. a strong start to the season, came up to Akron midway through the year and, and really struggled. I would say the first you know few weeks that he was, um, you know, with the Rubber Ducks, um, you know, it could be tough out there on the mound and, and, and a struggle for him. And, and I think he, um, you know, he, he admits that as well, that, that there was growth and lessons that he had to learn um, last year while, while with the rubber ducks. But I think you saw uh, a switch come during the season last year and um, some of that mental approach um, in those pressure situations. And really, I think it's a great story of, of his turnaround to be able to go out and succeed in the highest pressure situations of, of games. Um, he finished last year, the last uh, two months from, from August into September, uh, he saved eight straight save chances. And now to start this season, he's, he's converted his first 10. So <laughs> it's clear that he's the guy that they, they lean on at the end of games right now. And um, talking with, uh, with manager Ruglis Odor as well, um, he has high praise for, for Cade Smith and 
how he's approached his his preparation, um, how he's uh, developed, uh, you know, mentally and, and his approach out on the mound um, such that really, yeah, his, his prospects for, for pitching late in games at the end of games um, is really high right now. And, and it's, it's great to see from a guy who, um, you know, you kind of felt for him as he started and, and struggled his first chance at double A, but turned it around midway through last season. And now is such a key piece to the, to the ducks being able to close out close games so far this season. I kind of wondered how he was going to do this year. He was at camp early and uh, pitching the World Baseball Class for Team Canada. I'm sure there was a lot to take away from that. But you always wonder how those guys are going to perform after being in that situation. The World Baseball Classic, unfortunately, has mixed results when guys comes back, but has not been the case for Cade Smith, thankfully. Yeah, and and he spoke very positively about that that whole experience for him as you know as a as a young professional pitcher um, getting to be around you know, some other young guys who are pitching for team Canada, but also some of the veterans who have, who have done it for a while. Um, and then go into games that, I mean, how can you create an atmosphere that that's, you know, a full major league stadium and, and maybe even a little bit more like a major league postseason game than it is uh, maybe a regular season game when he got to pitch, you know, um, in, uh, for team Canada out in uh, Arizona. So um, yeah, I, I think he really felt like, um, the lessons that he learned from last year, how to be mentally, you know, focused and and comfortable in those spots, those pressure situations, um, it gave him a lot of confidence uh, from what he was able to do, applying that to that situation in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, pitching Canal Park doesn't seem as big when you're pitching in the World Baseball Classic against Team Columbia or Team USA in late in right. the game, I'm sure. Right. Puts everything in perspective. Uh, one guy, I, I was really hoping he'd get off to a strong start because I thought – he had a chance to be a top 100 prospect if he uh, did get off to a strong start, started to make some lists. But Angel Martinez hasn't had the best start to the season, has shown some some signs again recently, but not not the best week in, in, for him and Altoona. But, um, you know, you saw him at the end of last year as well. He came up and he, it's a credit to him, he came up and settled in pretty nicely to Akron after he had that breakout in Lake County. So what, what do you think has been the issue for him this year? It just seems like the strikeouts are up. I kind of looked at like maybe the breaking balls are giving him a hard time up at that level. Cause obviously see a guys who locate breaking balls better, but uh, what are your thoughts on his start to the season so far? Yeah, I think uh, that that contributes to to some of it. Like you mentioned, just uh, seeing better pitchers who, you know, um, can try to exploit weaknesses now at, at this double uh, a level. Um, but I would say I, I was encouraged even by um, how he was in, in that um, Altoona series, his, his, uh, of course, he's a switch hitter, and his left-right splits were maybe a little bit uh, concerning in that the, the left side was was not looking as strong, I would say, you know, the first month of the season. But he was able to, to square up some balls and, and drive some balls and come through um, in a couple of spots in the Altoona series um, that, were, that were really encouraging from the left side of the plate, also from, really from the right side too. Um, but uh, I, I think the, the, the staff here, um, you know, likes his, his overall approach, his, his, um, his instincts and, and feel for hitting, um, is there. Uh, so yeah, some refining to do certainly at the double a level. And again, he's only 21 years old. Uh, so he's, he's the youngest, uh, you know, um, among the youngest in the league, uh, for this level. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, some good things are going to happen for, for him. Um, and this is right where he needs to be, to be challenged a little bit and also learn from, the experience that he gets here. Anybody else that I might have missed? I mean, I know Gabriel Rodriguez had a good had a good series against Altoona. 
Petey Halpin's off the I.O. Anybody else that uh, I might have missed that you think is worth mentioning from the past week or just the season in general that you've been impressed by? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, uh, just uh, recently now, he's got a seven-game hitting streak going um, after a slow start to the year for him. He's heated heated up. Um, he's one of those guys that uh, I think there are several guys like this that um, just that cold, uncomfortable weather to start the season in April uh, coming out of spring training, it, it, it's a factor. I mean, uh, you hate to make it, you know, it, excuses, but I really think there, there's so many players, not only on this team, but, but uh, you know, others across the league that, um, that, that, that cold, uncomfortable weather, um, does slow things a little bit offensively, but he's come on strong. Um, you know, uh, he's got a dozen hits in, in a dozen games already uh, so far in the month of May. So, so Jonathan has, has picked it up. Um, one that's interesting that, that got recently, um, brought to Akron was uh, Corey Holland. And, um, I think he's from the 2018 uh, draft class first time in double a, uh, but he's hit safely each of his first five games uh, for the Rubber Ducks. He came up when uh, Halpin was put on the injured list um, a couple weeks ago. Um, and in the, the little bit of playing time he's had, um, he's, he swung the bat well, had a big catch uh, to finish the last homestand uh, with a win against uh, Portland. Um, so he's one that that is intriguing, uh, I would say, um, from his you know early returns of, of his arrival. Um but I think overall, this this team has has really taken some some much better at bats. Um, and you mentioned guys like um, you know Cantillo and Leftwich and Nikhazy. I would say you know uh, Tanner Burns is another one that he got an ex- year of experience uh, last year with um, the the Double A Akron club. And uh, talking with him about how he understands the preparation more that he needs to put in between starts and um, and he's applied those lessons this year to, to, to start the season and um, manager Ruglis Odor also commended him for the work that he puts in, um, in that preparation before a start uh, in between starts um, to be ready to go. And I I think we're seeing some results there. So um, definitely some guys to uh, keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, as we know, uh, (laughs) it could be that several of these guys from this roster now, are contributing in a big way with the big league team, even maybe next year, because that's what we saw from last year's roster. Yeah, Gavin Williams, only needed three starts back, I'm sure. I mean, you, you saw a ton of him last year, too, and I was going to ask you about him real quick, too. Just, I mean, did you notice any differences with him, too? Because he seemed like he showed up to Akron and just blew guys away. The control was there, and, and just like that, he was gone. Yep, yep. He came out of the gate uh, ready to go, I think. You know the the preparation that he put in in the off season. You know, ready to go um, again with the, the the work in between starts, and and that's what some you know guys are learning. You can have great stuff, but but there's some other work that that you do as a pitcher um, to be ready to perform on that game day. And um, I think he's he's done that, and the elite stuff is able to shine. And uh, it'll be exciting to see uh, where things uh, continue to progress for for Gavin Williams. But that's great to see for a guy that um, you know is is so highly touted. And, and um, for him to come out of the gate healthy, ready to go, and um, and and use his stuff not only to have success with with Double A but also Triple A already is is great to see. Yeah, it didn't take too long. All right, so Akron, you guys are at Richmond this week. Uh, any any thoughts on the Flying Squirrels for the upcoming week? What you're what you're looking looking for from the the Rubber Ducks? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the second week of uh, second week of a road trip or a homestand, I think it's a little bit of a mental challenge um, because, you know, you've you've kind of had the same routine for, you know, a full week and and you kind of look to the end. Oh, we're getting to the end of this road trip. And um, so I think that, you know, how guys approach that uh, is going to be interesting. Um, Richmond is a fun uh, environment um, because they they have a, a loud stadium. Uh, and, and they draw the fans out, uh, you know, very well here, you know, um, we're going to see probably, you know, more so with the, the weekend games as well. Um, and Richmond is a team that, um, they've got a lot of returning players, experienced players at the double a level, and, uh, they're right there in the, in the thick of the race. Um, I think there's five teams within a game and a half right now in yeah. the Southwest division of the, of the Eastern league and including Akron and Richmond. Um, so this can be one of those separator series. It's the only time these teams meet in the first half. So this will be a meaningful series. Yeah. How, how are you feeling about the, uh, the 12 game? You guys don't do a lot of this. I think every team does like one 12 game roadie. And how are you feeling? What, what are you going to do to keep yourself going, uh, on this long road trip? Yeah. So, uh, the, the way the schedule shakes out, we've got two week, uh, road trip. Uh, then a two-week homestand, and then another two-week road trip oh, wow. uh, for the Rubber Ducks. So uh, this is this is an interesting stretch of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, for for myself, trying to uh, you know take in uh, uh, take in little breaks and and uh, enjoy the Monday off days too. <laughs> like uh, today, going and and uh, kind of looking around downtown Richmond. I hadn't had a chance to do that, you know, visiting here a few times uh, in previous years, but have an off day. So it's like, all right, let's uh, let's check out and, and get away from it a little bit. Um, but excited to see uh, these two teams uh, go at it. Competitive games uh, between these two teams last year and. Um, excited and encouraged by what happened, I think, uh, in Altoona, seeing the, the success that the team had there winning that series um, and hopefully can continue that uh, going into this Richmond series as well. Yeah, all those teams, except for Bowie. Bowie's furthest out, shockingly, because Bowie's always good, it feels like. But Altoona's a game and a half out behind Richmond and everybody else. Erie, Akron, Harrisburg all muddled right there. So this is, like you said, it's a big series and uh, things could get very interesting. Plus 29 run differential for Richmond. Wow. So they are having a pretty good year, despite the fact they're only a couple of games up. Uh, anything you want to highlight? I know you guys are on the road for a little longer, but the, like I said, 12-game homestand coming up after this. Looks like you guys got some interesting um, promotions coming. We're halfway to Halloween. Got an education day. Those are always interesting. Uh, I peaked in high school. Anything you want to highlight from the homestand coming up next week? Yeah, so uh, two-week homestand for the Rubber Ducks, like you mentioned, it, it starts all with uh, Education Day, packing the ballpark on a Tuesday morning, uh, May the 23rd, um, and then uh, we've got our Military Appreciation Night uh, that's kind of come up on Friday, May 26th, um, and that weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend, we'll have fireworks shows Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, so uh, three straight nights of fireworks. Um, it'll be 7.05 Friday and Saturday, and then 6.35 on Sunday. So a great way to celebrate uh, at the ballpark. Of course, Memorial Day, we're actually off, but then uh, the rest of that that following week, uh, we'll host the Hartford Yard Goats. First time that Hartford has come to Canal Park, the Rockies affiliate uh, since 2019. So it's been four years now. Uh, and we'll have, uh, again, we'll have the um, fireworks Friday and Saturday. First bobblehead giveaway is going to be on Saturday, June 3rd. That's of Karen Parsons, who played Hillary Banks on uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. 
Um, the rubber ducks are going to wear some fun themed jerseys that night too. So right. plenty of reasons to get out to the ballpark. And uh, this will be the only time, the only stretch that the ducks are home between now and uh, late June. Wow. Well, that ballpark is always fun when it's packed. So uh, I'll hopefully get down there sometime. I got my wedding coming up in the middle of June. So I am still trying to plan my trip to Akron, but I will definitely see you down there at some point this year. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome, Justin. Yeah. Well, uh, enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, uh, uh, you can't, you can't pass uh, the fun of uh, the fun of that. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your off day, Marco. And I appreciate you jumping on and doing this and uh, let everybody know what's going on down with the rubber ducks. Yeah, thanks so much, Justin. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody at Canal Park uh, here over the next few months. Yes, get out to Canal Park and visit the Rubber Ducks and uh, say hi to Marco. Thanks, Thanks, Justin. Well, hope everybody enjoyed having Marco Lenave on uh, from the Akron Rubber Ducks, filling us in on all things happening down at Canal Park or actually in Richmond right now. Uh, so I appreciate him taking time out of his off day down on the road with Rubber Ducks. Uh, make sure you're checking out his broadcast. Does a great job with interviews, too. I will say pregame show for him. Um, he always has, you know, Ruggio Dor on there, a bunch of players. Always has some good interviews. Uh, before Rubber Ducks games does a great job on the broadcast. Marco is really a professional and uh, get down to the ballpark when they come home in a week on the 23rd. Uh, should be a lot of fun. That's a 12 game homestand for the Rubber Ducks and be a good time to get to the ballpark. So we covered a lot of the Rubber Ducks uh, players on there. I think that were worth talking about. Uh, let's get to some other headlines from the Guardians farm system for the past week. So George Valera, Finally back off the IL. He's played in three games so far, 13 plate appearances. He has a couple of hits, uh, an RBI, three walks, one strikeout. His patience coming back so far has looked really good. He hit the ball hard a couple times, does have an RBI. Really looks like he's seeing the ball while coming back. One of those things you see when guys come off the IL, especially when they miss the start of the season, they look like they're always trying to play catch up. And for a guy like Valera being 22 and, you know, he knows he is super close to the big leagues. He can almost taste it. Uh, there's a tendency to want to come back and, and make up all those missed bats very quickly, especially early in games. And he has not been over anxious at all, to say the least, which, you know, is not his style. He is a guy who always takes his walks and uh, can be a little bit passive at times, but it's really good to see him come out and continue with that patience. And I don't, I don't think he was really passive at all. Any of his at bats that I watched in the three games, but, like I said, some of those guys have a tendency to want to come back and just make things up uh, as fast as they can because of the time missed, and especially for a young player like like Valera, who knows he is, is super close to the big league level. I, I mean, I said on Lockdown Guardians, I wouldn't be surprised that if he plays well the rest of the month of May and in, into June, and if Will Brennan doesn't quite get things back together, um, maybe you'll see a guy like Valera get called up sometime in June if things are going you know, particularly well for him. Uh, Brian Rocchio continues to play well. Uh, Jeff brought up a good point on Lockdown Guardians last week, if you haven't listened to that already. Um, you know, Med Rosario, 
is starting to heat up again, of course, because that's what he does in May. He finishes his off-season migration and um, <laughs> looks good again as, as soon as May hits, and he's getting back to his normal standards. But, you know, he's back at an 84 WRC plus, and he's going to be, you know, about an average player. Uh, but he was a highly thought of prospect in the minors, uh, much more highly thought of than even Brian Rocchio has been throughout his career. And Jeff brought up a good point. The production from Rosario in the minors was not that great. I mean, he consistently had OPSs that were like in the high high 700s, low 800s. He had one, one year, and it was a brief stop in AAA in 2017 where he had a um, – Looks like that was maybe a rehab. I don't know. It's in 2017. He had an 833 OPS. That was his best stop of his minor league career. The year before was 874 in AA Akron, or I'm sorry, AA for the Mets, but that was in over 54 game span. So, you know, really never had super strong indicators offensively um, in terms of power numbers, always below mostly 700, 800. I mean, his, his OPS is never really checked out the walk rates never really checked out the strikeout rates were about this you know they're okay they weren't great um brian rocchio though i mean consistently if you look at ops in the minors especially double a AA and triple a i mean this year 883 this is the best start of his career we talked about that in 2021 and double a when he got there um 865 he got off to a rough start in Akron in the second year but he rounded to 780 um and he's been a little bit younger too for those levels let's see Akron double a for well, Rosario was 20 at double A and, and Rocchio was also 20 at double A and now 21 at triple A. So kind of converging paths there, I would say. So that's interesting. But um, I still think the long term Rocchio winds up being a better play than Rosario. I know we've talked about multiple times about how Rosario was a high as a top prospect and he just hasn't panned out to where everybody thought he was going to. And you worry about Rocchio doing the same thing. But um, there are definitely some inconsistencies to Rocchio's defense at times, the same way there are Rosario's. The athleticism is apparent in both of them. And I don't know, being a switch hitter and I think just being a little more patient and um, a better better walk rate, a little bit lower strikeout rate, I think Rocchio can produce better numbers than Rosario long-term. It depends on how, how good things um, look for him early on uh, this year and how – how things pan out for him. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like we're going to see him this year, the way things are going, unless the guardians fall out of the race and they decide to trade Rosario, but um, anything could happen. Parker Messick down in Lynchburg player of the week, seven shutout innings last week against Myrtle beach. So he ends up the Carolina league pitcher of the week. Um, great to see from him. There wasn't a whole lot of video from that game. I guess Myrtle beach didn't have a uh, video broadcast that night or something happened, but uh, definitely one of his better starts of the season, you know, still sitting in that low nineties range, 89, 93, but uh, has had a lot of good control down there. No surprise for him. Uh, you know, one of those guys you hope they can find some more velocity for. Otherwise, he's going to wind up being, uh, I don't know, I guess it's too early to put, put the statement on him. But, you know, one of those guys you, they could squeeze more out of, you know, putting him through kind of the pitching uh, pipeline. But 27% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate so far this year. Um, he has struck out. Um, 27 and 24 innings, just seven walks, three earned runs all year, one earned run a lot. He's a guy who should be at Lake County, to be honest with you. The level he was pitching at in, in college in the um, ACC is way better than anything he is seeing at, at, at low A. That's true for a lot of guys. I mean, look, Lynchburg already has over 100 steals on the year. Nate Furman, we've talked about him all the times the podcast. He's got a bunch of steals and a bunch of 
uh, more. He's got more walks and strikeouts. He's got more steals and strikeouts. I mean, it's absolutely insane what he's doing down there. And then same goes for Parker Mezek. He is off to a good start and um, should only be a matter of time before he gets to Lake County. But they're typically conservative about when they promote these guys. And a lot of it has to do with how they replace the innings too. So I think Angel Janow shouldn't be too far away from getting back to Lynchburg. He has been playing in games on Arizona extended spring training. So he should be built up pretty soon and should get back to Lynchburg. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, again, it depends on how they can find playing time for, I was going to say Juan Brito could be a guy that goes to Akron, but when if Furman goes to, to, to high a, you've got to find playing time for him and you've got, you know, Milan Tolentino and Juan Brito and Christian Cairo. And there was a couple guys on that list where, you know, you don't necessarily need to be giving playing time to um, over a guy like, Nate Furman, who should be a priority, especially at high A. And, and same with Brito. I mean, we talked about Aaron Bracha with Marco kind of being resurgent in Akron. But, you know, you've also got guys like Marco Gonzalez and Jose Tena has to play every day, even though he's struggling. Marco Gonzalez kind of fills in wherever. Joan Rano is locked in at first. Angel Martinez needs at bat. So there's not a lot of at bats for Brito at double A. That's part of the issue. And in Lake County, you know, you've got Diane Frias who needs at bats every day too. And Yordis Valdez. So really it just winds up being about at bats. And it's unfortunate uh, that that is the case right now, because those are, this is why Jake Fox has really only played the outfield in Lake County, because there's nowhere for him to play with Brito switching between second and third and Frias playing third and second and short and, and Miguel Cairo, Miguel, I was called Miguel Cairo. Who's that Christian Cairo? playing third and second. So it's just about playing time. So Jay Fox ends up being an outfielder. So yeah, Furman definitely needs to get to high A and, and Brito belongs in double A as well. Just watching him a couple times, but it's like I said, it's just a lack of playing time. Maybe, maybe there'll be an opening Columbus. I mean, they seem to be short on infielders too. I mean, they only have Rocchio, Schneeman and Delgado right now with a couple guys up in Cleveland. So maybe, you know, a guy like, uh, Marcos Gonzalez can go up there. Not to worry about playing time for him. There's, I mean, Angel Martinez isn't ready for Columbus full time. Um, Bracho's not certainly. Gabriel Rodriguez certainly isn't. Jose Tennis certainly isn't. But you know, maybe they can create some playing time for him. And and uh, they did just bring Pete Halpin back off the IL, like we talked about too. So he'll be playing again, which means less playing time for one of those outfielders, like Corey Holland. I don't know if he goes to. AAA. They don't really need outfielders either. But you know, it allows you to create some DH spots too. So hopefully. Sometime here in July, you'll see some movement on that end well. But, you know, maybe, maybe Lynchburg can move up Furman when, when Janelle comes back because they've got to fill infield spots too and get innings out of guys. <clears throat> a lot of people asked about Bo Naylor this week too. Bo Naylor obviously had a really good weekend. Two home runs off of Reds prospect Andrew Abbott on Saturday night. Plus, he walked twice. Uh, one was an 11-pitch at bat, which was really impressive. The other one, I think it was a six-pitch at bat. And then he also throughout two or three runners. So Naylor is not having a great year defensively throwing out runners, unfortunately. And I promised a couple people on Twitter that I would do some digging into the video and see what's going on there. And I mentioned this on lockdown guardians too, that often when you're watching this stuff, see how often a pitcher is even giving the catcher a chance to throw a runner out because, you know, it's not like the pitch clock and the, the disengagement rule in triple a is new for Naylor. So that, that is hurting a lot of catchers at the, at the major league level. That's why we've seen, caught stealing rates come down from like 25% to 15% at the major league level. And these aren't new rules at double a, 
or a triple A, I should say, for Naylor. So he's used to that. So that's not the case. But, you know, you're working with a lot of four-ray pitchers, the guys who are up and down, in and out of the rotation and different roles. That can contribute to things that are working on stuff. But Naylor's only thrown out five of 36, I'm sorry, 46, 44 runners um, who have tried to run on him. So that's not a great percentage. So I'm going to look at the video and see what's going on. But, I mean, I know we talked on Lockdown Guardians about service time being a thing and how the Guardians catchers are without a hit in quite some time, April 29th. And Naylor certainly would improve that, and you can find offensively time. And, and maybe Naylor would also benefit from Major League instruction catching-wise. I mean, not that the Guardians don't have good catching coaching down at the minor league level. I mean, you've got Luke Carlin down there who can work with catchers. who was a good manager at Lake County. And, you know, but maybe, maybe, maybe working with Sandy Alomar ends up being a lot better. Maybe working with Mike Zanino could, I know he hasn't really had a great season himself, but he still is a veteran. He's done it before and he's had a good arm throughout his career and throw runners out. So maybe working with him would also help him out as well instead of doing the minor league level. But, you know, throwing out runners continues to be a problem for him. And um, that might be what's holding him back from coming up to the major league level at this point. All right, and lastly, uh, Ethan Hankins. I saw his second start back with Lake County last weekend. Uh, about 92 to 95, consistently at 97 a few times. The fastball, plenty of hitters in that Great Lakes lineup who, you know, consistently a good lineup. Uh, the Dodgers know how to develop hitters. They know, and, and hitters at that level are often very good because they're older, but they're also well-developed, and they just don't have a lot of room at double-A for those guys either. But uh, – Great Lakes offense always performs well when they play Lake County. And I think he, Hankins was really good. Like I said, 92-97, he had the big slider, he, or the big curveball. He said he's working on a slider. He feels good. He's working on getting to his pitches with spin again. And um, he'll be at about 60 pitches, about four innings the next time out, depending on how things go for him. But he looked really good. and He looks really confident and comfortable. He is much taller and leaner than the last time I saw him in 2019. So conditioning has improved for him while he was out in Arizona. And he just seems, you know, like I said, he seems like he grew a little bit. But also I think from a mental standpoint too, he has grown a lot. I think he appreciates the game a lot more um, just because the time away has been so tough for him. It's tough for any player when they're rehabbing like that. So I think that has has helped him grow up quite a bit too. And I still have a lot of confidence on, on where he's going to go from here. The stuff still looks like it's there. You're not going to get it all back in one or two starts, it, it may not ever, it may not completely come back this year. You know, the first year after Tommy John is oh, actually last year was his first year for Tommy John, but then he had back and ankle injuries last year and some health issues um, that were not physical injuries um, that kept him off the mound. So this is really a second year back from Tommy John. So he just really needs the reps right now. And the fact that he's hitting 97 as he builds up his stamina and his strength again and gets comfortable back on the mound. I think you'll see it pop more consistently, but hitters were definitely late on the fastball when he was running it up there in 97. So that's good. The life is there. And as he builds up, it could get better. Um, so the curveball was still big. He's still working on spot that consistently. I will leave you this week with um, two interviews I had with him. So I talked to Ethan two weeks ago before his first start, the day before his first start back since 2019 at, at Classic Park. And then I talked to him again uh, after his second start last Saturday. So I'll leave you with those two interviews as I get out of here this week. Thanks for listening. I hope everybody enjoyed the interview with Marco. Um, looking to have our buddy Pat Ellington on here in the next week or so to talk about the captains. I meant to have him on last week. And like I said, the 
weekend got the best of me, uh, had a lot going on and needed Monday to recover. Didn't feel like doing the podcast. So thank you for all who are listening and uh, staying with us and hope to have more interviews again soon. So here are those interviews with Hankins and uh, everybody have a good week and let me know uh, what minor league players and teams you're watching this week and who you'd like me to focus on. Thanks. All right. Welcome back, Ethan. Uh, <laughs> you're going to make your first start and since 2019 on Saturday. I mean, it's really surreal. Like I, I can't even like, I can't even put into words like the things that I've been through and like, like the hardships and every, like all the, all the support that I've gotten, I would not be here without them. But like, I can't, I can't even put it into words. Like it's been so long and I love the game so much. It's all I think about. So getting back out there is like, I can't sleep. I'm not going to be able to sleep <laughs> for the next few days. So. So you're excited? Yeah, I'm ecstatic. I can't wait. Are you nervous at all? Does it feel like your first no, start all over I mean, again? Not, not really. Like I'm, I'm really just anxious to get back out there and just see what, like, how my stuff plays. You know, I mean, it's been three years since I've been out there and like competed in like an actual environment that like I want to be in, and like it's a competitive environment where a hitter wants to defeat me just as bad as I want to defeat him. Where in Arizona, it's not like that. It's more of a practice environment. You go through, get through reps. Like it's just nothing. Where here, it's like you you want to win like you care about the name on your chest and you're playing for a reason and like that's a sensation that like i thrive in like i lo- i love that being under the lights and like i'm not like i'm gonna say yeah i i do really good under the pressure it's not that's not what i'm saying i just love competing and i have missed being away from the competition so much that like that's one thing that i'm super anxious to get back on the field for you feel like maybe you've grown appreciation for the game over the last three years get everything that happen yeah i mean like Obviously, when you have something that's been so, like for me, baseball's been the one solid for me my whole life, something that I've always had to rely on. And when that's taken from you, you kind of get a, like, your sense of purpose goes away. You have to find other sense of purposes. And like, just just growing up so fast the past like two years has completely changed my perspective on getting back out here and like, just enjoying every second. And like where it kind of can be sad where people think that they should be higher than they are and anything like that. And like, I'm just, I'm just happy to be back out here again, regardless of where I am, you know? And that's like all that matters. Like I, if I go out here and I have fun, I've have a really good feeling that I'll be successful doing it. You had some, I mean, really poor timing after everything happened, like, you know, 2020, everything happened. And then the next year is when the injury came and then you're still recovering last year. Like the timing just really got you there. A lot of stuff you just couldn't control. Of course. I mean, it it seemed like it was never going to end. And, um, a big thing for me is just like the, the group that we have as like our pitching, like our pitching group in general has been the strongest support system of just giving me like a sort of motivation where like I, when I couldn't find anything, when I was like very, like I was so caught up in negative and like just poor, like just bad thoughts and thinking everything was the world was against me where like I had to find a reason to like a way to turn that around and that opened all the other doors where I was able to get healthy and feel so much better about being back like and feeling normal again like I was able to make so many more drastic jumps where like last summer the past few summers I was down in the dumps and it was like really hard to pull myself out of it when I had things like I got COVID and then like I like hurt my back or like twisted my ankle and just like it seemed like it never ended so like being able to take a step back and being like, okay, like I can, I'm going to be back out there eventually. Like it made it a lot easier. Let's talk about the good stuff. You feel like your stuff's in a good place. I heard some good things from Arizona. Uh, yeah. Um, this is probably the best I've been throwing since, I mean, after COVID before I, right, I, right after I got hurt. Um, 
I'm locked in. Like I'm super excited for what's to come. And I mean, I'm not not put too much pressure on myself to perform. Just go out there and get ease back into things. And I feel like if I put too much pressure on myself, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bounce back the way that I can if I just go out there and just have fun, and just like compete. What's the plan for you right now? Do you have any idea how, like how you're gonna build up or what you're gonna be um, doing for the short term at least? So I mean, shoot, I only really know the next like week or so. I know that I have two innings on Saturday, and then I'll progress probably progressively build up an inning at a time. But um, you know, I just need to keep working like like everything in the weight room and re like rehab and all that stuff, physical therapy, stay consistent with that. I, my arm is in such a good spot right now that I should I should not miss it out in the rest of the season. Just, uh, we talked last week, but take me through just being back around the mound, how it felt. I mean, it felt good. That was uh, probably the first time I, had, I felt like myself. I felt really comfortable. I was able to focus on my delivery, but also execute pitches. Um, I mean, I felt like myself, and every, sing every single time I touch the mound, it just gets better and better. So, I mean, obviously, I'm so excited to be out here again, so being able to control that just makes it a lot better to be out there. Do you feel like just being back in the mound now, you can focus on the present and, I don't want to say restarting your career, but looking forward instead of looking in the past? No, definitely. I mean, like, this is a, I mean, it's a good start. Um, I mean, obviously, the numbers last week don't really do any credit to how good I felt. Like, I mean, it's all just moving in the right direction, and uh, every time I touch the mound, I mean, I'm pull from bullpens and on the mounting games, I'm making a huge jump progression every single time. So and just feeling like myself, being being able to command the ball up and down in the zone, like spinning stuff is starting to feel like normal again. Have you thrown all your pitches so far? I mean, I know I saw the fastball and the slider night. What uh, else did you? No, I, that was actually all the curveball. Oh, it was a curveball. Uh, okay, yeah, wow. yeah. So uh, my curveball was actually, I think, pretty hard tonight. I didn't get the velo or any of the metrics on it, but I've been I'm, I'm working on a slider. That's like kind of like my fourth pitch. But I think right now my solidified the three is fastball, changeup, curveball, and I feel really comfortable with all those. And every single time, like I'm I'm able to work on it in the bullpen, I'm starting to feel like intent, which I was able I was unable to get the past like years. And your fastball, you were getting some swings and misses. Had to feel good just seeing yeah. the velo return and seeing the guys being late on that. No, I mean, I my fastball is my bread and butter. So if that, I mean, if I have that, well, it'll be be a good good game. So. I mean, I felt like I was able to get ahead with it and work on, like, spinning some stuff and working on some, like, just stuff, everything. So, I mean, that's that's really what I'm worried, worried about or working on when I go out here, just getting in it, getting it in. Where do you go from here? Are you up there? I think it was, like, 36 last week, 44 tonight. Um, I think it's, like, 60, 65 next and four. That's so, exciting. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the innings... The inning limit is kind of annoying just to just want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. But especially with how good I've been feeling. So, but just got to trust the process and understand that they know what they're doing. Just listen to them. Yeah, I know.